Programming Notes episodes, the general concept is that you can get an extended summary of episodes if you decide that you'd rather have that than listen to the episodes themselves, as well as some notes about what's going on in the community or how you can be helpful and useful in the community. Programming notes for the week of November 6th, 2022. Apologies, I'm under the weather, so I'm just going to jump to the summaries and, and we'll move forward and hopefully have something a little bit more entertaining next week. On Monday, we have episode 151, Driving Interoperability via Taxonomies and Tagging to Power Personalization, which is with Jill Maffeo at Vista. So This one is really, really good in helping you think about interoperability but you know how do we think about fighting against the rigidity of historical you know taxonomy setups how do we find that balance between that rigidity and the necessary flexibility without going too flexible because then you're not adding really a lot of value via the interoperability so how do you thread that needle how do you think about that how do you think about doing that work early so it pays off later i think this episode could provide you a lot of great talking points for speaking with the business or even asking someone on that side to listen, especially if they are in the marketing department. I think it summarizes things in a very clear way. Uh, Jill has a lot of really good anecdotes and stories to kind of show why we've got to do this, when we've got to do this, how we've got to work together. On Wednesday, it's episode 152, which is the 8th uh, of Jamak's Corner. So the beginning of another long form conversation, and we started with a frank assessment of where the current tooling is, right? We know people are out there and trying to move forward, but the tooling isn't necessarily <laughs> all that that uh, far along in a lot of areas. So this is kind of a frank assessment of that. There are some bright spots, and hopefully we can move more and more towards not just spots, but larger and larger areas uh, of brightness. But it's, I think, a good place to start and say, oh, I'm not the only one that's having difficulty finding something to solve X or Y or Z challenge. Um, and then on Friday, it's going to be episode 153, Federated Data Governance Through Changing Minds and Hearts with Mariana Hebborn. And so we covered a lot of the evolutionary path of governance from centralized to federated. I think most of us have, you know, kind of a bit of a picture of what awaits us at the end of the rainbow when it comes to this federated computational governance. But this conversation is about how we can navigate the, that rainbow. It's not like an instant warp. We have to make the track. You know, I'm thinking of kind of the Mario Kart and Rainbow Road. Is, it's a very difficult thing. And you get to the end and you're at the end of the rainbow. But if you try and take shortcuts, <laughs> there is one, I think, one shortcut that, that does work. But in general, um, you know, the analogy holds. It's, it's, we have to think about where we want to get to, but we also have to make steady progress and evolve instead of try and revolve. So with that, on to the extended summaries for the interview episodes for this week.
Extended Summary for Episode 151, Driving Interoperability via Taxonomies and Tagging to Power Personalization, an interview with Jill Maffea. In this episode, I interviewed Jill, who's a Senior Data Product Manager at Vista. Before jumping in, Jill gives a lot of very useful examples of outcomes they've been able to drive that could be abstracted to apply to your own organization's business challenges. Outcomes like better customer segmentation, faster time to launch new offerings, etc. If you are having difficulty with stakeholder buy-in, especially for someone in marketing, this episode could help you frame things in their language. So Jill started off by talking about her current role where she manages a, you know, quote unquote, team of products that span the gamut between data ingestion, data curation, metadata curation and creation, and also the upper funnel portfolio around measurement and insight from a demand perspective. So a lot of, lot of things around marketing. So essentially, she is managing a, a, that suite of data products, right? And it covers a wide variety of needs for the marketing team some more technical and behind the scenes, and many more on the front line of powering, you know, analytics and dashboards and things like that. So we talked a lot about taxonomy, and taxonomy uh, can be a significant help to driving interoperability in, in Jill's view, right? Taxonomy is ultimately about finding the right balance between flexibility and standardization, according to Jill. Much like many decisions in data mesh, it isn't black or white, but it's about finding the happy balance somewhere on the the spectrum of grays. Having simple tagging and taxonomy has allowed the Vista team to see how something like marketing materials, such as like postcards and flyers, has evolved over time without having to manually connect the data each time. When a new product is launched, it is added to the tagging and product hierarchy, right? So you can see how your overall business has evolved, but even how you've thought about different aspects as well. And it makes that a simple taxonomy makes it so that you can um, easily see the, the evolution within the organization, not of just a single data set. So Jill also believes that good tagging and taxonomy remove and even prevent tech debt means you have an easier time generating new insights without having to do manual stitching on a one-off basis. And it creates a much lower barrier to people leveraging the data from outside the domain. If they can understand the general taxonomy, they don't have to be as deep in the context to leverage the data effectively. And taxonomy can help more effectively share metadata to let other domains really understand what a domain is doing. What Jill and her team saw early in their data journey was that Each team was doing a good job tracking their metrics, but all the metrics were very siloed. Even though they were run independently, obviously the organization needed information to be able to span the different marketing channels. So Jill and team started to really classify and say something like, hey, it looks like you are doing what you call X and team B is doing what they call Y, but we'll map it to term Z or whatever. That way, it's far easier to look at a customer journey across domains and silos and things like that, and it prevents there from actually being silos. Uh, You can tell much richer stories as well because you can say, oh, well, first they were checking out postcards and then they decided to go in this other direction and they did flyers or whatever. 
So where Jill really sees the biggest value with taxonomies is at scale. To start out with, they are helpful, but as you add more and more complexity to your data mesh implementation, instead of combining data by manually integrating data products with each other, you can quickly see the historical trends across multiple domains to get a much bigger picture. The integration work, at least at the concept level, was done for you when you were bringing out a new data product. So taxonomies, though, are definitely not a magic bullet. I encourage you to listen to some of the Jamax Corners episodes as well, where she talks about if they're overly rigid, it can really cause a lot of issues for you. So a key strategic goal at Vista over the last few years has been personalization, you know, according to Jill. So being able to see the the big picture of customer journeys and be able to intersect with them with the right offerings at the right times. Yes, that sounds like business nirvana, right? But if you can't see everything that is happening across your many offerings, is it really possible? Or are you kind of, you know, just playing in the single domain? Are you preparing yourself with historical data for a potential ML model down the road? Getting the right metadata in place early, that early investment set them up for the value down the road. Jill talked about how after doing her proof of concept around what she was trying to do with taxonomy and metadata curation and creation, some lines of business weren't ready to engage. Does that sound like a familiar story? (laughs) But instead of putting this taxonomy project on hold, she looked for additional places where she could make progress for when those lines of businesses were ready. That the the value creation at that stage wouldn't have missed all the necessary data in the meantime, right? That you had this big amount of value accruing that once they came to the table, the value was already there. Essentially, she looked to avoid the loop of, it's not of immediate value, but we'll get to it eventually. Then six months down the road, that team says, oh, if only we had this data over the last six months, then this would be of value. You know, she set it up so at some point, when they were coming back to the table, it was like, oh, yes, we're, we're ready for this and there's enough value that we want to move forward. So once what Jill and team implemented started to show early wins, they circled back with the, the business to say, hey, this is generating value. Here's how it saved you some effort, right? So even if the business people were not involved in exactly what they were doing, they were still winning things over for them. So the business people were more ready when the time came. And the teams they had helped already started to advocate for more of the work too. They said, hey, this taxonomy work is providing us a lot of value. Other teams should get in on this. That gave Jill's team you know, proof points when going to execs and other stakeholders that investing time in metadata and taxonomy is Driving value and their participation would drive more value for all, including for themselves, not just do this to be a good team player. A key win for Vista, according to Jill, has been moving from a metric like how many emails were sent to someone in a certain time period, right, to what kinds of emails. Was it all promotional or were some of them based on an order, right? If you sent five emails last week, Is that good or bad? Well, four of them were related to orders that they made, and one was a marketing email. So that's fine versus five marketing emails. It's probably too much, right? So getting more granular about the what has helped them reduce email opt-out rates, for for example. 
The next phase of that is to look at specific interactions a customer had and then develop a next best action model. What can the company do to drive more business that is highly relevant to that specific person? Again, that personalization, right? Jill gave a number of additional useful examples of what tagging and taxonomy is driving for them. Jill also discussed how there shouldn't be one overarching taxonomy that everything should adhere to, right? Jamak said that as well. You want to look at data from multiple angles. At Vista, customers may be looking for different things, like a postcard versus a wedding invite. But for manufacturing, it all looks the same. And you, again, want to apply personalization so you don't ask someone if they'd like to create another wedding invite a year later, right? Probably not the best thing uh, to be asking. But if they are a restaurant that orders menus from you every three months with a change in the season, you want to, one, send them promotions ahead of time of, hey, you know, uh, if you order in the next three weeks, because, you know, we kind of know your schedule. If you order in the next three weeks, we'll give you 20% off or whatever. And two, if they are late in their order pattern, potentially escalate to do something additional. Like, okay, this customer is at risk, we think. So let's uh, do some more intervention. Especially when looking at taxonomies, Jill Jill believes you can uh, entice people to participate earlier by pointing out they will influence the overall choices more than those that come later. So they get more say. But it's also important to balance that as you bring on new teams. You know, you let them know their voice matters and their feedback is important to continue and uh, improve and evolve your taxonomies. Jill gave the example of building a home um, on why we need to be coordinated and how we generate our data with things like a unique ID. Do you want the drywaller to do their work before or after the uh, electricians and plumbers have done theirs when building a new structure, right? So getting the coordination done up front on how will you know you will look to combine data, even if not perfect, can save you a fair amount of time, money, and headaches down the road. Most customer journeys are cross-domain. This has come up quite a few times in uh, a lot of these conversations. Jill showed how the more you make domain data interoperable, the more insight you have into the customer that can drive better business with your organization as a whole. Globally maximize customer value instead of only trying to locally optimize value within each domain. And many, or most maybe, of your executives, their questions and desired insights are rarely only in one domain. So how are you working to really answer their questions and have that ability to answer cross-domain questions? Jill talked about uh, phase one versus phase two of a data mesh journey. In phase one, you are focused on creating data products to meet specific use cases, and it's pretty easy to end up with some overlap between data products. So when you get to looking at your data products as a full suite of data products, those overlaps look like extra costs because they typically are. So early in your journey, make sure domains are communicating about what they are building to prevent doubled up work. Omar Kawaja at Roche talked about this in his episode as well. And it will still probably happen that there will be some overlap and and that's okay. But part of product thinking and product management is portfolio management and that's your portfolio of data products. So ending on a couple of quick tidbits, a good check for teams helping 
you know, to manage a data product portfolio is to take a few of the stakeholder questions and use, you know, the available data products and the available, you know, data mesh experience plane to try and answer those questions. How was the user experience? Is the information easy to understand, et cetera? That will inform future platform improvements and new data products, basically dog food your own things and and say, hey, if I were this person, could I get to this information? And quote unquote, when you're thinking about interoperability, it's just playing nice, right? So if you think of interoperability as a key part of your culture, it's far easier to implement. Let people know why interoperability is good for them and the whole company. Extended summary for episode 153, Federated Data Governance Through Changing Minds and Hearts, an interview with Mariana Heborn, PhD. In this episode, I interviewed Mariana, Lead of Data Governance for the Healthcare Sector at Merck Group, Germany. And to be clear, that is not Merck, the pharmaceutical company. They're two different companies. For Mariana, when talking about data governance, the general industry consensus is that we need to get to federated governance. But the big question is how to actually do that. And governance needs and the pace of change are very different depending on the industry. Many industries are already adopting the federation mindset, but are still struggling to do data governance well. It's either centrally managed or it's a bunch of silos. How can we get past that? And according to Mariana and myself, centralized data government is a pragmatic approach until it isn't. At scale, centralized data governance is breaking in most, if not all, large organizations. So we need to look for ways to organize closer to the people with the knowledge about the data so they can share the domain-specific context far better than anyone else. You know, This is obviously part of the first principle of data mesh. But we still want to lean on governance experts to keep domains aligned with the greater organization and each other. Mariana believes we can win over people by clearly comparing federated versus the monolithic approach for domains and for the greater organization. Show them what data governance means for them, why it matters, and why you know moving to federation and just in general why data governance benefits them, instead of trying to show them exactly what to do. We have already figured out how to do cross-domain information sharing on the operational plane in Mariana's view. That prevents the silos, but is also not a centralized way of working. So we need to figure out how to do the same with data for analytics, right? Taking a lot of the same learnings from moving to microservices. We need clear boundaries and accountability. It is needlessly confusing when we don't know who is responsible for what. In data, we need to focus on getting people access to the information they need to better the organization. And Mariana knows the idea of central access and control feels like a good one. The central governance team knows governance best, right? But it just doesn't work well at scale. 
According to Mariana, much of doing federated governance well is about changing your mindsets. To get started with federating your governance, you need to find your data owners and data stewards. And per Mariana, quote unquote, the best data owners and data stewards are found, not made. A number of other guests have kind of hit on that same topic. You're not manufacturing these people. <laughs> you go into the domains and you find the ones that are really, uh, really, really care about the data. There needs to be people on the ground in the domain ready to clean up before federating governance to that domain, you know, to really tidy things up as best as possible. And we want to move towards more slash better governance as well. You can't go from no governance to governing everything. Start with what matters and what drives value. In many long evolving industries or companies, people often ask if we should even do data governance in Mariana's experience. Really data-driven companies don't ask that. We need to get to a place mentally where data governance is so ingrained. There's never a question of if we should even be doing it. But we also can't boil the ocean. So start with looking to better govern the data that is already very important first. Whether that is because that data is generating a lot of value, is really sensitive, widely used, etc. And then figure out what you are trying to get from data governance. Is it quality, better security around your data, something else? If you don't know, figure that out first before trying to move forward, right? Before trying to go to others and say, you need to do these things. You have to figure out what are you really trying to achieve? And, and that's going to evolve. But like, figure out what you're trying to achieve. Mariana believes crisp policies about compliance are very helpful to lower the amount of effort people need to be in compliance, right? We can't have every domain team learn all applicable laws and regulations. Well-crafted policies mean there is less work interpreting what is and what is not allowed. Of course, this is far easier said than done. At the end of the day, governance is about conversation and missioning, according to Mariana. Why should you care about governance? It's very easy to fall into decentralized instead of federated governance. Decentralized is where you end up with data silos. You end up with you know, different data quality measurement standards. You end up with all these different things that make it very difficult to, to work together, right? And there are information silos to overcome as well. Knowledge is typically trapped in people's heads instead of disseminated through the organization, right? We talk about this with documentation, but, you know, documentation is only one aspect of sharing your knowledge, and we need to figure out better ways to do that. For Mariana, when doing federated governance, it is best to centralize the knowledge within each domain. You know, you think about uh, we can't have all of these, we can't have all of the context across every domain with a centralized team. But for most organizations, you can centralize that within the domain and, and, you know, and bring the rules to the data as well. Make it easy for people to understand how and why to share their knowledge with the rest of the organization. The people mindset really is the most important part of a successful digital hand or data transformation. And I think You'll hear in, in some future episodes as well about incentivization and really tying a lot of this when you're t talking to people about why should you share this, you need to figure out what their incentives are and kind of drive to that. So some quick tidbits to wrap up. Most data access should be to packaged insight, 
you know, the computational result rather than raw data itself. Most people consuming information want the insights, not the raw data. I think that's a little bit controversial, but I think it's an interesting thing to really think about. And I think Mariana Fish's episode, which is kind of funny that both Mariana's were talking about this, but like, what are you trying to accomplish when you're sharing your information? What is the other person that's consuming information trying to accomplish from it? Should that be the raw data? Should that be the insights? Should that be even the so what? Another quick tidbit, I guess that one wasn't quite so quick, but (laughs) the others will be. We need to identify who are the people who are already working with data? Who knows who should and who already has access to the data? Everyone should be able to browse what data is available, even if they cannot have access by default. You can find more use cases that data consumers wouldn't have thought were possible or available. Accountability for data owners and stewards only extends so far. They need to own who should have access and what is proper use, but if someone misuses data, that is on the person or team misusing the data, not the data owner or steward. Data consumers should ask if they aren't sure if something is allowable or appropriate. I think this is interesting, and I think we need to talk about this a lot more as to data consumers have a uh, requirement, they have a kind of, they have to participate in the right way, right? That it's not all on the data producers to block off absolutely everything. And the last one, lack of knowledge of the law and regulations does not protect you from the law and regulations. Don't be naive around that. 